0: .net Rocks Episode 1347 with guest Mark Rendell Recorded Thursday, August 25th, 2016
1: Welcome back to .net Rocks. This is Carl Franklin and this is Richard Campbell. Back in the saddle again, and uh, our good friend Mark Rendell from the UK is here. Always enjoy uh, our time together, especially on stage doing silly things in uh, (laughs) Oslo or London. But uh, how are you doing, Mr. Campbell?
0: I am well. You know, by the time this show is (sighs) out... Maybe I'll be back in my office. I don't know. <laughs> when we're recording this, the painters were here this morning, and now the cleaners are here for the afternoon. I've got electrical work being done. So, it's like, it's almost there. But you There's do have a 43-inch 4K screen plugged into your Surface Book, right? I do. And uh it's a lot of screen. 4K yeah. is, you know, the, the native resolution of the Surface Book screen is 3K by 2K. So, does the screen dim when you plug it in? That uh, kind of actually the, the fan on the Surface Book just turns on. It's
1: like you know what, more power, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have I have a you know a fully decked out MacBook Pro and and it's usually hanging out in the breakfast nook, which is right around the corner from where Kelly and I play darts. Mm-hmm. And this morning we're playing darts, and all of a sudden I we hear this, whoosh, you know. She goes, "What is that noise?" i I'm, I'm looking, and it's just Gmail you know it's just <laughs> just <laughs> gmail I, I i say okay your your fan is on why and i look at the cpu usage no just gmail just the gmail. browser it's not just
0: gmail it's gmail in chrome yeah right? gmail and chrome yeah gmail and chrome so
1: it's the two two great tastes that consume power together yeah it just reminds me of the days of outlook and i know those days are still with you but when i used to run it i just remember cpu going nuts and not being able to click on anything and i'm like yep. what are you doing 65 <laughs> threads none of them are for you <laughs> anyway i got something interesting for better no framework today probably many people know about it but some may not so let's Ooh. roll the music all right dude what do you got postman 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 The Postman? Yep. Modern software is built on APIs. Postman helps you deliver APIs faster. Ooh, okay. So essentially it has a whole bunch of services around APIs. So this is the list. Construct requests quickly. Build workflows using collections. Create integration testing suites. Integrate with build systems. Add descriptions in Markdown. Host docs with CloudShare. Share collections with links, run buttons, or a cloud share. The basic plan is free, and for cloud-based APIs, it's like five bucks a month. So it's interesting that, you know, things that we do that aren't necessarily technology-based, you know, they're just writing code, you know, building APIs. Okay, now there's, like, software around that whole process that just Mm. helps you integrate all of the things that you need to do. Under one roof. It's interesting. That is interesting. Okay. So you can go to getpostman.com or, of course, since this is show 1347, you can go to 1347.pwop.me. Well, all right, buddy. Yeah. So who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off
0: of show 1162. Which we did back in July of twenty fifteen with one Mark Rendell. Never heard of him. We were talking about building ASP.net apps in Linux, because that's crazy talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, and I realize we almost always record with Mark in person. Right. So and this was one yeah. of those times. It was at NDC Oslo, and we were all sitting together, and I'm pretty sure our mouths were hanging open as he was talking about the sort of madness. Right, that he was doing there. Uh, yep. And the comment here is not very complicated. It's not very long but it's extremely relevant because the comment is from Barrett and it's, you know, a year old now. He says Is Mark still working on simple.data? It seems like work on version 2 is stopped. I love version 1 and have used it in lots of previous projects.
1: And that's all he's got to say. Uh, the answer is no. Well, he'll have to <laughs> no. come back no. another time. No.
0: <laughs> Sorry. No.
1: <laughs> no. I'm totally kidding. That's
0: what we're talking about with Mark today of course. Yes, Barrett, thank you for setting up our show. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug.
1: And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. We make collections out of them. Okay, and now it's time to formally introduce to the show Mark Rendell. Mark has been playing with computers for more than three decades, and he still doesn't want to stop. He's currently all excited about .NET Core, Angular 2, and Docker. Or as he likes to say, DOCKER! Mark is a regular speaker and keynote presenter at conferences, a Microsoft Azure MVP, and a Docker captain, an open source project maintainer and contributor, and the creator and co-host of the world's first science and technology comedy panel show, which has different names depending on which conference it happens at. He still has no idea what he wants to do when he grows up. Welcome back, Mark. Hey,
2: it's good to be back.
1: It's good to have you. This comedy quiz panel show... Which is sort of like QI, but for geeks. Tell us yes. about that.
2: That's so, well, you, uh, you've you been on you a there. couple of them, haven't you? Um, but, yeah, we yeah, were captaining, it's, as it's, I recall. Uh, it, here, I, I don't think it's a big thing in, in the States, but here in the UK we have um, various shows, uh, Have I Got News For You, Mock The Week, QI, um apparently there's something on NPR which is similar in the states. Wait if wait anyone, don't tell me. Uh do, do do uh yeah is it wait don't tell me?
1: Wait wait don't tell me is sort of uh Wait wait
2: don't tell. Me.
1: Yeah. yeah, so that's sort of a news quiz.
2: Um, and I was watching all of these things, and there were ones that are about the news, and there was ones about music, and one and all these different things. And I thought, well, there should be one about programming and, and tech and stuff. And I thought it would be a good way, something different to do with the people who are normally doing the rounds of podcasts and so on. Right. Um, and then, uh, and I was just not doing anything with it at all. And then I saw Dylan Beatty. Um, give a talk somewhere and I just thought he'd be really good <laughs> and if I did this with somebody else I might actually do it and so I, I got him <laughs> on board and um yeah, we've just started kind of when we're both speaking at a at a conference um, we say to the organizers hey we do this kind of comedy panel show and it's quite fun and we do it sort of either at the attendee party or as a closing thing or whatever do you want us to do one and and if they say yes then we kind of make
1: a whole load of questions and uh, and we have lots of fun yeah and you want to do this on a regular basis too right don't you you want to yes. you want to start putting out uh, these videos or I think you wanted to do it on video as a regular
2: show. Yeah. Um, well, originally it was going to be audio and then, uh, so there's a company here in the UK called skills matter who have uh, a training venue and event uh, place in London mm-hmm. and they've got uh, full video editing suite and and recording and everything, and they're very keen to kind of do the show with us. And wow. so once Dylan and I can get our ducks in a row, uh, we're going to start recording that as as a kind of monthly meet up and get people to come along and watch it being recorded.
1: Oh, that's fantastic! And just
2: get random guests on. So
1: love it. So yeah, watch this space. So that's the fun stuff that you do now. Of course, that uh, comment that um, somebody mentioned—you know—they want you to keep going with Simple Data Core. Yeah, yeah. It it kind of stopped for a while. Um, So let's back up a bit. What is this thing? um,
2: So Simple Data is uh it's it's not an ORM. Um,
1: <laughs> what is, else is it? Is agent? the
2: best the best way I can describe it. It's 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 not lots of things, but primarily it's not an ORM. It's also <laughs> not a rocket ship. Um and and it's it's not a, a mollusk. Uh, but um it's it's a way of talking to your database that makes it look like uh, just C-sharp code, um, okay. so it's in the same, it's trying to solve the same problems as things like Entity Framework or Link to SQL or N-hi- Hibernate or whatever, um, but it's based on the dynamic features from C-sharp 4. Um, So you don't have to generate loads of code up front. You don't have to create lots of model classes and put loads of attributes on loads of properties telling it how to communicate with the database. You just say, open a database and then start using that database object as though it had properties for the tables and as though the tables had commands called things like find by ID or insert or update or whatever. And it just works it all out in the background um, at mm. runtime and, and turns all your uh, all your function calls and properties into database things Wow! And, and pulls data
1: back. Okay, that's very cool. So now where was it last year and, and what have you done with it since?
2: So, I got it up to version 0.19 point something okay. um, on the original thing, okay. and it kind of got away from me. Um, and it's, it's an excellent... The first version of Simple Data is an excellent example of how test-driven development can cause problems, because it was totally test-driven, and it worked... Um, and I could make big changes to it, and I could still be sure that it was working. But the code itself is hideous Um, because it's just add a test and then do whatever it takes to get that test to pass and keep all the other tests passing. And so there's very little in the way of upfront design or architecting or any of that stuff that sometimes comes in handy. And so I kind of became, other people were always scared of the code. Uh, so I didn't have any yeah. contributors really helping out. And then it got to the point where I was scared of the code. Um, <laughs> you
1: were scared of the code.
2: <laughs> I, I was scared of the code. You looked so I, at it
1: and said, who wrote this mess? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, well, there's, I mean, I've, I've been back to look at it recently and there are bits, whole, Huge chunks of it where I'm just going, I have no idea why that works. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so So I decided that the thing to do was to throw it all away and start again. So yeah, I was just about to to start on Simple Data 2.0, and I got a an alpha of that out there, and then Microsoft went, ASP.net Core, or DNX or or K or whatever the hell it was at yeah. the time. <laughs> and um and so i thought oh well i'll i'll just hold off a bit um and and make simple data core for for that and i figured you know wait 6 months or something yeah <laughs> and that was 2 years ago ah. <laughs> um and so it, it kind of stalled again um but now .NET core is out and it's it's 1.0 and there's um, a, a small amount of tooling for it. And I have been very vocally saying, just everybody who has a .NET package or a .NET project or whatever, you need to get it onto .NET Core. Yeah. Um, and various people went, ahem, look who's talking. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, yes. And so I've, I've started on simple.data.core, uh, with the version number three. Uh, oh. Um Because I, want, I don't like even numbered versions or, or something. Okay. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> it's, it's simple.data. It's weird because the central library, the way simple data worked was that you had the bit that did all the clever dynamic stuff and then that just called out to adapters and providers yeah. that handled the communication with various different databases um and the the central bit was called simple the the actual nuget package was called simple.data.core so that was fun so it was called simple.data.core, and then you installed the other packages around it. And so now there's still simple.data.core. So I've had to jump to version three because there is a two um, on NuGet, but it's, uh, it's, I, I can't, I'm not going to say that word. Um, uh, okay. Because that would have been horrible and we would have had complaints. Um, <laughs> So yes, there is, there's a simple.data.core 2.0, um, alpha one on NuGet already. And so I need to make a break from that and make it clear that this is something new. So we jumped to version three. Um, and by the time this show goes out, I actually have working code running under .NET Core talking to SQL Server, uh, with a new architecture and, and it's all modular and it's very clear how it's going to be put together and the code is, easy to understand and so that's on github um under my rendal labs organization which is my new company yeah um uh with uh, and that's a simple.data.core um so by the time this show goes out uh there will be the kind of basic set of functionality and also all the architecture and the, the new clever ways of doing the things that I've thought of since doing the first one will all be in place um, and hopefully people can come along and start contributing and and feeling like the code is something that they can understand and deal with and it'll all work on .NET Core and I think that that's a big I think uh, there were a lot of people who liked the original simple data but there were a lot of people who weren't wild about it because Being dynamic, you didn't get IntelliSense. Um,
1: By the way, I should say that you can also get there by going to notamollusk.com, which I just registered.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm going to register that if you haven't already.
1: No, I already beat you to it, my friend. Oh, okay.
2: You you grab that and and you just point it to the the GitHub repo. That's exactly what Um, I'm doing, yeah. I have, um, they're actually releasing dot data as one of the new kind of GTLDs, the global top level domains. Right. Um, okay. Yes. And there's like, so you got to register simple
0: three people
2: kind of bidding for it. And so when one of them, when two of them back down and one of them finally gets it. Uh, I am top of the list to register simple dot data as, as a standalone domain.
1: Oh, that's uh, great. When
2: that finally becomes available. Um, and so I, I basically have first refusal when it hits the sunrise phase. Awesome. Uh, which will then solve the other thing that people always complained about with simple.data, which was that it was really hard to Google. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and so now, w- once I've got that domain and you go to Chrome and you type simple.data into the uh, bar to search for it, it'll just take you to the website. Um, I
1: prefer to get there by notamollusk.com. However, <laughs> or
2: notamollusk.com. Yes. Um, it, yeah. yeah. I, I actually, I'm I'm thinking rebranding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think I think we should do it so um give us i mean you say that you just write some c sharp is it is it essentially link based no no
2: no it's um it's dynamic based so uh in in dynamic languages um actually not in javascript but in python and ruby uh objects. You just call a method, and the object at runtime goes, have I got that method? And if it has, then it'll work. And if it hasn't, then it'll go, I haven't got that method. Right. Unless um, you implement a special magic function, and in one of them it's called method underscore missing. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember whether that's Python or Ruby. But anyway... Uh, if it hasn't got the method but it finds one called method missing, it will call method missing with all the information about how you tried to call a method, wow. um, including the name of the method and what parameters you passed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your method missing method can try and handle it and do interesting things with it. And in Ruby... Um, the ORMs so active record and data mapper use that feature to provide magic methods for talking to databases very cool and in net and in c sharp when they introduced dynamic um, in in c sharp 4 and .NET 4.0, which got the DLR and everything, Um, they created a similar sort of thing, and it doesn't work on all objects, but it works. There is a a base object um, in the system.dynamic.runtime assembly called dynamic object and that has a whole bunch of methods that you can override call things like try get member or try invoke member or just try invoke Uh, and you get passed through a binder um, object which has got all the metadata and everything about the method that they tried to call and then you can just go off and do whatever you want with it very good Uh, so yeah you create a, a I create this kind of top level object um, which in the new code base, uh, is called thing. It's a class called thing because at the, at that point, I don't know what it's going to be. Um, and it's fun. It's fun dealing with the different ways people use their databases. So I've worked on lots and lots of projects where all the tablers are created. So let's take SQL Server as, as the, obvious example for .NET Rocks right Um, SQL Server has a default schema called DBO and if you create a table without specifying a schema it goes into the DBO schema Mm -hmm. and lots of people quite happily write entire applications with all their tables and all their store procedures and everything else in the DBO schema and there's nothing wrong with that at all but then there are other people who create lots of different schemas. The people I'm working with during the day at the moment have uh, schemas all over the place, um, schemas uh, for everything. And so they have to do all their select statements as select star from uh, platform.account. Uh, because the platform is the schema and account is the table. Mm -hmm. And so I've got to be able to cope with that. So you're going db.customers and it has to work out that in that instance, customers is a table called customers and then you're going to do a a find or a get or whatever. Um, And then other people are going to come along and say db.customers sales.customers because they've got a sales schema with the customers table in it so they're saying find by id and that's so it has to work all these things out and so i've just created this class called thing um, which can create new things with itself as a parent. And then at the point when you actually try and do something, it looks to see how many things there are and works out <laughs> which things are supposed to be what and which bits are column and which bits are table and which bits are schema and maybe even which bits are database. So you can do cross-database.
0: Wow. It that, but it's such a descriptive name thing.
2: It is, yes. Well, it's, I don't know what it is. and And I hate entity. If I worked at Microsoft, it would be called Thing Framework. (laughs)
1: Uh, Work with your stuff very simply. (laughs) (laughs) Work with all your stuff. Yes, a thing for your stuff.
2: (laughs) Of course, the only thing with Entity Framework is it's not a framework; it's a library.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay.
2: But let's not go there.
0: (laughs) All right, let's not worry too much about that.
2: No. So, yes, uh, what was the other thing that, that occurred to me while I was saying that? Oh, no, that's the other thing. Yes. Um, so the other problem that I had with simple data 0.19 or whatever it became, um, you can, you could build these huge, great long chains of, of stuff, so you could say uh, db dot dot find all by name, and then you could say like dot join and dot with and dot order by and dot group by and and all these different things, um, which was great and fantastic. But there was find all returned a result set, and the. Uh, the SQL command or the, the query was actually run at the point where you said for each or to list or to array or whatever. Um, and so I could make it chain all these things and just use them to add additional information to the query. Mm-hmm. But, um, the find by just returned a single record and so of course it did it straight away and that meant that you couldn't say uh, find by id 42.with orders because it had already returned a customer object by that point yeah um and at the time there didn't seem to be a good way around that and then c sharp 5 came along with async and await, and suddenly you could say, okay, I I don't want anything to happen here until I await this thing, and then it's going to call get a waiter at the end, Um, and so (laughs) I managed to... (laughs) And bring
0: Perrier! <laughs> Waiter, your
2: thumb is in my soup. Don't worry sir, it's not hot. <laughs> What's this fly doing in my soup? Looks like the butterfly. The backstroke, um, yes. And so on. Yeah. Um oh, that by the way, the Olympics. Oh. That long distance swim what uh, Yeah. That was incredible. <laughs> mm. That was just amazing. And a couple exactly. of weeks ago. Yes, and a couple of <laughs> weeks ago. Yeah. And, and like months ago for the people who were listening. Sorry. Right. Sorry. Right. <laughs> it was just bonkers. Um, so
1: there's yes, one anyway. more in that collection, which is, waiter, waiter, there's a fly in my soup. Shh. Everybody will want one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, um, hold that thought because Richard, you know what time it is right now? Oh, it must be that happy time again. You got that right. It's time to read the top 10 list of things that are not a mollusk. (laughs) All right. Number 10, tubers. Number nine, legumes. Eight, magma. Seven, cellulite. (laughs) Six, acetone. Five, protozoa. Four, margarine. Three, public servants. Two, pink salt. And number one, simple data. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh. Uh, that's and then a we good know what list. Carl's been doing for the last
2: 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and managed to listen to you at the same time. How does yeah. that work? <laughs> it's actually time to give away a complete Music to Code By collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Music to Code By, of course, is a set of 25-minute Pomodoro-sized, quiet and groovy instrumentals scientifically designed to promote focus. It'll get you into a state of flow and keep you there. And now you can get all 13 tracks for only 39 bucks. Check it out today at music2codeby.net. To all right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Gareth
0: Adams. Hi, congratulations, Gareth. Yay. It's all flop for you, sir.
1: Yay. And if you don't know what we just did, go to click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, And join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. Every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you have to sign up to win. All right, Mark Rendell, it's your turn. If you had $5,000 U.S. to spend on technology today, what would you buy?
2: Uh, Frankly, um, I've I've come up with interesting answers to this in the past um, <laughs> with things like uh, virtual reality drones and stuff. And today, but got right nothing. now, I just buy a new laptop because <laughs> <laughs>
0: you need I, a new laptop.
2: I I very urgently need. Um, specifically, I need a Dell Precision fifty one ten. Um preferably spec all the way up with two like 1 terabyte SSDs and 32 gigs of RAM. Oh my. Um, and I think I'd probably have enough enough left over to attach uh, either an Oculus Rift or an HTC Vive to it. So, yes. Awesome. But no I my my laptop is I'm running I'm not running Linux because I'm hip and trendy. I'm running Linux because um it can barely run Windows ten anniversary updates, so nice.
0: yeah. Yeah, it's it's on the way out. It's at the end of its rope. It's almost an X laptop.
2: <laughs> it is. Any statements to the effect that this laptop is still a going concern and now null and void?
0: <laughs> Maybe it's pining yeah. for the fjords.
2: <laughs> <laughs> pining for the fjords? What sort of talk is that? <clears throat> um this is something I, I, I would love to get permission from the, the five remaining pythons to do this at a, at a conference one time is Monty Python karaoke.
1: Oh, awesome. <laughs> love it. Um,
2: so basically you just get a big chest full of the various kind of costumes and like red. Uh, red dresses for the Spanish Inquisition and all this sort of stuff. And people can just come up in groups um, through the course, and we'll put the, the words on PowerPoint slides for them. Um, and yeah, everyone can just perform Monty Python sketches for everybody else. I think that would be a brilliant thing to have.
0: I think it would be a, wildly popular. Conference. But yeah, you need permission to do that. But I You would, be but I,
2: I think... Um, I think, quite frankly, at this stage, they'd be glad to have other people doing the dead parrot sketch so people stop <laughs> yes. asking them exactly. to do They're
1: probably pretty sick of it. Although you've yeah. got to have a special set of people to appreciate a Monty Python karaoke night, though, you know, because well, very many, many people just cannot stand when people go into Python. They can't stand it. But- That's the thing. This would be, you know, a lot of most people can't
2: stand it when someone starts singing my way. But karaoke makes these things okay. (laughs)
0: You
2: know, it's 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 Japanese (laughs) magic.
1: (laughs) Through the magic of karaoke, everybody can tolerate one more round of Piano Man. Exactly. Oh, that's too much. All right, where were we? We were in the middle of a technical discussion, I believe.
2: We were. And I was just explaining that, um, yes, so big design decision for for the new simple data is everything's async. Yeah. Uh, and the only way you can actually get the results of, of what you've just asked it to do is to await it. Um, and that means that you can chain as many commands together as you want and, uh, and until you await them, they won't actually execute. And that means that A, you can chain all the stuff onto. So in simple data one, we had find by and find all by, mm-hmm. um, which confused the heck out of people. Um, <laughs> why wouldn't they want to find all? Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, you know, uh,
2: people <laughs> would do find by and then wonder why they couldn't for each over it. Yeah. Um, they'd get an error message saying it doesn't implement i enumerable. And there were stack overflow questions about it. So now we have, uh, find by and get by. Um, nice. and find by returns a list and get by returns one thing. And you can chain them together and, and do all this sort of stuff. But more interestingly than that, even is that you can create a whole batch of stuff and then run it all together. Um, so this is one thing that people have always asked for, is I want to set up a whole batch of stuff to run. I want you to go to the database, open the connection, start a transaction, run everything all in one SQL statement or all in one kind of connection cycle, and then commit the transaction and, and shut out and come back out again. And so simple data core is going to have this batch, uh, capability because you can say, uh, db dot execute batch. And then inside that function call, you can say db dot customers dot insert and db dot orders dot insert and everything else. And there will be a way of chaining the values from the earlier statements. Yeah. Um, and when you do an insert, it returns the record that was inserted with the identity columns and any default values and so forth. And then you can pass that on to the next statement in the batch and then use the newly created uh, primary key as the foreign key on the records that you're inserting there yeah. and just hopefully make things a lot smoother and, and more asynchronous. And everything's done asynchronously in the internals mm. um, so everything it's, it's db uh, the sql connection is open async um, the command is execute async mm. the reader is read async uh, everything's asynchronous as much as possible because whilst that is not Brilliant for performance, for actual raw speed for each individual thing. It's fantastic for scalability.
1: Right, sure, um, yeah. And I just love right on your page the 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 very first example that you give. That's instead of this and twenty lines of code, why not just write one line of code? And it's return database users dot all by email passing email dot first or default. I love that. Yeah.
2: Yes, yeah, that, that's the that way it should it. be. Yeah, the funny thing is is um, how it came about in the first place because I didn't think. I know I'm going to make an ORM. Um, it's actually David Fowler's fault.
1: Ah, ah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. You know, my daughter Emmy has a new sound effect for throwing per- people under the bus. It goes like this: foop, boom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well here we
2: go, David. Um No, I, I I he may he may even have been an intern or something at the time. This was so long ago. Um No, Microsoft uh when they kind of came out with web matrix and and Razor web pages without all the pain of um of controllers and, and everything. Uh when they were trying to take on PHP, basically. Um they created Microsoft.data, um, which was sort of similar to Dapper, uh, and that kind of thing. Um, and David Fowler got given the job of writing the blog post to, to introduce Microsoft.data to the world. And, um, is one example in this blog post. Uh, basically said, select star from users where ID equals close quotes plus, and then the ID variable. Mm. And th- obvious, I think Twitter just about existed at the time, and I think Twitter's user base doubled overnight just so that people could complain about SQL injection attacks in David Fowler's blog post. Right. Um, and I'd been kind of idly thinking about dynamic and and ruby orms and everything and i thought i wonder if it's possible to make a thing using dynamic where it's impossible to do a sql injection attack because nothing is actually a string and simple dot data 0.1 was the result of that Hmm. um and then it kind of spiraled out of control but but (laughs) yes
0: because it wasn't out of control before
2: No, I, was just, I, I just went, look, you can do this. And people went, oh, can you make it do that? And so for a while it was just, yes, I can, look how clever I am. And then people were going, oh, I'm using this in production and I really need you to fix this. Um- and, yeah. and I was kind of like, do you want to pay me? No, I just need you to fix it. <laughs> okay, open
1: source. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's, now it's, you can it,
0: fix you it. Know,
2: I'm, I'm not going to complain too much. It was kind of – that was the the point at which people started following me on Twitter and letting me talk at yeah. user groups and conferences and stuff. So I've done pretty well out of it, actually. Um, and, and yeah, uh, and now there's, there's a whole new generation and, and it's going to be awesome and great and asynchronous and, and everything. Um, so you feel like core is not
0: burning you at all? Cause there's lots of folks that are struggling with.net core. Is it just not a big deal to you?
2: Um, I, the, the thing most people, well, there's, multiple things people have problems with um the two biggest problems as i understand it is the tooling is not great well it's not done um sorry
0: it's just not done right like it's, this is temporary tooling I mean, until the next version of studio right yes
2: um and i mean i Downloaded Preview Four of Visual Studio, they need to sort then then version numbers for Visual Studio out as well because it's it's currently called Visual Studio fifteen, right? As opposed to Visual Studio twenty fifteen,
0: which was um, fourteen.
2: But yeah. Preview Four of that just came out, and it still doesn't support .NET
0: Core. Nice. Um, so that's <laughs> that's helpful. Yeah.
2: Um. And and what they've said is that. They're releasing, and they've called it 1.0 RTM, and I think we're, we're supposed to get a 1.0.1 um, sometime in the second half of August, so mm. it should be out by now, really. Um,
0: yeah, we're definitely deeply in the second half of August at this point. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, .NET Core is baked. ASP.NET Core is baked. It's ready. They'll support you using it in production. Uh, all those good things. Um, the tooling, uh, whether that's the Visual Studio SDK or the command line tools is preview two. And they've just released an update to preview two, which isn't preview three. Um, (laughs) and preview 2.1? That's for us. Yeah. Preview two update one. Um, there you go. Which, and you'd think they'd stop doing that because it drives people nuts and, and everyone <laughs> takes the mickey out of them for it, but yes. uh, they carry
0: on. Right. And they just um, keep doing it.
2: But I think the worst sin is lots of people really liked Project.json. People liked the fact that CS Proj was going away with all right. its XML and its GUIDs and everything else that was in there. Right. Um, right. And, and so all these, all the early adopter people like me who, who will quite happily jump on something. I mean, I started using C sharp when it was beta one and I was writing code in notepad and the first console application I wrote in C sharp used reflection to document every public member in the entire framework. So Lovely. I could try and figure out how to use it. Um, so I've been using ASP.NET Core since the first release of that um but all the people who were doing that were like yay it's a json project file and it's really nice and easy to use and and everything and csproj has gone forever and sln files have gone forever and then microsoft said actually you know what um it turns out that a Large majority actually of our customers are quite invested in the whole CS proj and MS build thing. And if we're ever to have any hope of getting them using this new stuff that we spent all this money building, um, we might have to carry on supporting those things, which made a lot of people very angry.
0: <laughs> um, yeah.
2: So yes, uh, and so, and the, the sort of flip side of that, is that the, the .NET is not just Microsoft .NET anymore. .NET is this ecosystem right. of NuGet packages. And, right. .NET used to be synonymous with F-
1: Windows, price. and now it's sort of this... Uh, you know, I think when most people think of .NET, they really think of C Sharp and all of its libraries that come along with it on whatever platform.
2: Yeah. Um, but, you know, you've got... uh so there's, there's chunks of the full .NET framework that are not in .NET Core. Um, big chunks of the .NET framework itself that have vanished. Um, obvious things like Windows Forms and WPF, which really have no place in a cross-platform framework. Right. Um, but then there's also all the open source uh, NuGet packages um, and some of those are Microsoft's own and some of them are made by other people and some of them are very popular and if you've got a, a ASP.NET MVC website, then in theory and actually in practice, I've done this a couple of times, it's not a huge amount of work to move that over to run on ASP.NET Core MVC and get it running on Linux. But uh, the chances that you've built your application in splendid isolation without any dependencies on any NuGet packages mm. are very low. And what you're going to find when you go out there is that those NuGet packages they haven't been updated to support .NET Core. Yeah. Like for right. example, Simple Data. Um, and that's gonna there's there's probably like a six to twelve month lead time on waiting for those to make their way across. But it's starting to happen, um, and uh, I, I see more things every day. Um, I think N Substitute now supports .NET Core. N Depend have announced that they support it, mm. and the guys at Octopus Deploy um, have written this really handy tool, which has saved me a lot of time because it was something I was thinking of writing myself. Which you can point at a GitHub repository with a .NET project in it. Yeah. And it will look at the dependencies of that .NET project and work out which of them are already available as net standard packages, Uh, and which of them aren't yet. And you can actually drill through and say, okay, so uh, this library isn't, and this library depends on that library, which isn't, so I need to go and talk to that guy to get him to update his library so that guy hey, he can update his library so that i can use this thing um in this project here
1: yeah we talked right. to him about that it's it's awesome and you, you yeah. know you just said the the word that makes people's brains hurt which is dot net standard mm. and uh I, I let me take a crack at this because i've recently mm. seen a really good and we you know we've been talking about what it is to people and yeah, I mean, I get it, but uh, I think a lot of people are still unfamiliar. .NET standards sort of sets out to do what portable class libraries also set out to do, which is to make one code base that goes everywhere. But portable class libraries, PCL is something that you, everyone has to opt into. You know what I mean? And so it it was kind of a, um, a sort of a bolt on approach where, yes. uh, you know, when you pick, what platforms you want to support and then it starts taking stuff out and it gives you the most, uh, common, all the common APIs. But uh, the .NET standard is from the ground up, something that everybody can get behind and say, you know, this is what we're supporting in .NET standard one and .NET standard two and X and N until the end of time. And 1.1 update three B. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. And so they're, they're they're trying to, once again, do what, you know, what was attempted with portable class libraries, just in a, you know, in a way that's all, all .NET.
2: Yeah, I think the big difference is that uh, a portable class library was the lowest common denominator approach. Right. And then they ended up with all these profiles as well, and it was just trying to work out which profiles you were supporting and there was windows phone 7 right. and windows phone 8 and and all those different things um yep. whereas net standard is basically you saying this library requires these APIs yeah and the people who make the different frameworks like Xamarin or Mono or .NET Core or whatever it might be wow. can say, I conform to NetStandard 1.3. Right. Um, Which is really shorthand so for, for
1: every library and every API that's in there.
2: Yeah. Um, but how they implement it internally is is up to them. And yes. it's all kind of binding redirects under the covers and and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to bring that up. Uh, you know, define .NET standard. And Richard can remind me anytime we hear that in the next year, because I'm sure that's like the the number one question a lot of people have. What the heck is that?
2: I I think that's going to be my new interview question. Um, <laughs> I'm going to use that to replace what's the difference between a reference type and a value type. <laughs> that's <pretty> good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or why are manhole covers round?
2: Yes um it's it's so that they fly into space better isn't it <laughs> i think
1: so <laughs> you can kill more mollusks with them if they're <laughs> so do we cover all of the things that are new in simple.data
2: no uh the, the final thing and this is what i'm hoping is going to make it easier for people to roll up their sleeves and pitch in um either Contributing to the core project or contributing add-ons to it is it's got a pipeline model. Um, so every time it goes to the database to run something, uh, it, it occurred to me that that is essentially very similar to an HTTP request. You send a command to the database and it sends a result back. Um, and, I've been involved with sort of the OWIN project and Katana, and now this is baked into ASP.NET Core. And so I thought it made sense to go with a similar model where you can create middleware that goes between simple.datas stuff and the database backend. Um, So as a request is going in, you can massage the request and uh kind of provide it with additional data and additional information or put in a caching layer. So if I say get and you go, I've already got that key in my yeah. in-memory cache, I'm just going to return that straight back. Um, or you might have a response coming out uh, with some of the kind of clever SQL types like geodata that just comes back as a byte array. And so you could put a, a response filter in that turns that into the proper dot net types for the, for geodata and so on. Oh, very good. So it's got this, this pipeline, this middleware pipeline that you can put in, um, which is going to hopefully keep the code a lot cleaner and more modular and enable people to, um, Plug-in stuff for their particular use cases without having to dive into the code and actually fork it or make horrible changes to it, um, and to create kind of plugins and publish their own NuGet packages yeah. in the same way that people are publishing ASP.NET Core middleware packages. So I'm I'm quite excited about that. Very, very um, good. So that's that's going to be that that'll be ready by the time this show goes out.
1: Um great. So what's next? Do you still have a to-do list a mile long?
2: Um no, really it's it's kind of getting this one to the the simple point. Um and what i might do is call 3.0 final much earlier this time and then move on to 3.1 <laughs> um and and yeah kind of be a bit more realistic about because software's never done you know, it's
1: just abandoned right e-
2: exactly yeah and i don't want to abandon this and i don't want people to be holding off using it on on stuff i want i want to get it to the point where it's useful and and I can go well I could build an application with this yeah. so why can't you and then call that 3.0 and then move on to 3.1 but I I really um I want people to feel like they can come and contribute and and send me pull requests and yeah. or create the adapters so I'm going to do uh, SQL server and postgres and SQLite, but I want people to kind of contribute Oracle adapters or mm. MySQL adapters or MongoDB adapters or, you know, all these different things. Sure. Um, and, and make sure it's got proper documentation this time and just generally try and keep the momentum going this time. Yeah. Um, and, and keep up with stuff. Um, and yeah, that's,
1: uh, that's really the the big plan there. Well, sounds good, Mark. Yeah. So, uh, congratulations! This is awesome, and it, you know, this is something that I would use. I'm uh, I'm not a fan of big systems. I like small, simple things, and typically, I use things that I've written myself. That I've, you know, just have uh, gone back to over and over again because i trust them and they work and all that stuff and this just doesn't seem like rocket science to me it's just simple and awesome
2: yeah and hackable
1: and totally hackable yeah another great feature <laughs> thanks mark thank you all right we'll see you next time on .NET Rock.